podcasting from Knoxville. Along the banks of the mighty Tennessee River, this is the Startup Knox podcast, featuring interviews with local entrepreneurs about their startups. I'm your host, Brandon Bruce, and today I'm talking with Leah Winter, founder of Winter Innovations. She launched Winter Innovations in November of 2017. It is a medical device startup developing simple tools for overlooked areas in orthopedic surgery. It's launching its first product, Easy Whip, a surgical suturing device intended to simplify and standardize complex stitching of ligaments and tendons, often associated with repair of sports injuries. Winter Innovations has raised $509,000 and has two employees. Welcome to the show, Leah. Thanks, Brandon. So first things first, uh, if we were going to Vegas, we would say that you have run the table in business plan pitch competition wins. If you can think back to all of those over the past year or two, that you have, do you know do you have a running total? How many pitch competitions have you won so far? We do have a running total. We have won twelve pitch competitions and a total of uh, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That is amazing. So popular question that people probably ask you all the time, especially after you won probably those first two, three, or four. What's what's the secret sauce? What do you do to prepare for them? Do you do lots of rehearsals? Do you videotape yourself? Do you run it by coaches and advisors? What seems to be the thing that really resonates with the audience and with the judges at these competitions? So the first question, how do we prepare? Um, I really live by the mantra, practice like you play. And so what I do is a lot of practice in front of the mirror. So you can actually kind of see the feedback and what the audience is seeing as well. And I think part of the reason that we've had quite a bit of success is that while our product is a medical device, it's also very simple. And we've been commended by judges and investors and people in the audience for feeling like they have learned something after watching our pitch. Yeah, I mean, having seen a number of the pitches that you've won, uh, the device is simple, right? Like it's for use by physicians doing repairs. So, and you can talk through those types of repairs, but we're, I think we're talking about, you know, ACL, MCL injuries, knee reconstructions, shoulders, right? Those joint injuries that uh, unfortunately are all too common for those of us who uh, play sports and recreate a lot. But when you see the videos that you guys have put together, and when you showed the device, I think probably the audience and the judges are thinking, I could use that. Mm-hmm. Like, I could do that. Like, I'm not a surgeon, but I think I could complete the stitch. And in fact, a big part of your pitch, right, is basically showing how it makes it so much easier, faster, cost effective for physicians to use your device than to do it without the guidance of the Easy Whip. How, how does it work? So the product itself is a two-part suturing needle, uh, and this two-part design allows the user to connect the portion so that they have a loop of suture, as well as separate the ends to have a straight length of suture. And by suture, uh, really that's analogous to a piece of string. And you mentioned that we have a lot of videos. If anyone wants to learn more, they can visit our website at winter-innovations.com. We have lots of cool animations, and it's pretty intuitive. That's what surgeons have said, too. Um, It's not something that's really disrupting the flow. It's a device that um, kind of is a no-brainer. A lot of surgeons, when we demo it to them in the the office setting or in a cadaver lab, they kind of say, why didn't I think of this? That's the best feedback, right? (laughs) Like, this is so easy. I should have thought of it. And you're like, yes, but I did. Uh, I'm out with it first, which is awesome. 
where where did the idea come from? And then, well, two part question: Where did it come from? And then, second, how far along is it? Where where are you in the development of the product? Kind of you know R and D prototype out to some initial customers out into the full market. So my story really starts all the way back in high school. I was really involved in sports growing up. I was a three-sport athlete. I played soccer, hockey, and lacrosse, and then played lacrosse in college. Um, But initially, I thought I wanted to go to medical school. But in high school, I tore my hamstring during a soccer game. Conveniently, my best friend's dad is the orthopedic surgeon for the Steelers. It's great to have friends in high places. Um, And through working with him, I made a full recovery, was able to play in the last two soccer games of the season. And this really motivated me to pursue biomedical engineering for my undergrad degree. I went to the University of Pittsburgh because I wanted to learn how to develop tools and technologies to help athletes like myself recover from sports injuries. And so while I was an undergrad, I had the opportunity to intern for an orthopedics medical device company in the research and development department. While I was here, I did a lot of product testing. And in particular, I noticed how tedious and inaccurate the stitching products were. When I started investigating this further, I realized that surgeons and physician assistants even struggle with the stitching process. And then around this time, my mom tore her ACL and she had to have two surgeries in 10 days because the first one failed and the problem was with the stitching. So I really saw firsthand how much harder it is for someone to recover after revision surgery. And I used these experiences as inspiration for my senior design capstone engineering project, uh, which is where the idea for EasyWhip was born. And then I guess kind of fasting forward a little bit, my co-founder and my sweetheart, Preston Dishner, and I met when we were both working for the orthopedics company. He's the reason that I came to the University of Tennessee for grad school, where we both pursued dual MBA and master's of science degrees. And we together started putting a business plan behind our product and competing in the pitch competitions that you talked about and winning money, which was great because that gave us the startup capital we needed to really launch Winter Innovations. Yeah, nothing nothing succeeds like success, right? People are giving you all the positive feedback and you're thinking, okay, let's keep, let's keep going and go as fast as possible. Yeah, so... Um, You also asked a little bit about where we are now. So when we graduated from the University of Tennessee last May in 2019, we had the opportunity to participate in the 0 to 510 Medical Device Accelerator Program in Memphis. And we've made a ton of progress since then. Um, We've participated in two national accelerators. I mentioned 0 to 510, as well as we're currently doing the Tampa Bay Wave Accelerator. Uh, We closed a pre-seed funding round with angel investors. We've completed almost 100 customer discussions discovery interviews, and numerous surgeons have demoed our product. We have three pending patent applications. And in the last year, we've gone from hand building our prototypes to having an established supply chain and contract manufacturing. And we're actually preparing to do our first live production run this month. Oh, that's awesome. And so is the thing that follows the production run, is it more testing by the physicians? Are they going to actually be using it? Uh, in the field, or what? What is that process like? And and do you, have you already gotten the clearance? You mentioned uh, five ten getting on the FDA schedule. What what is the process of getting cleared, or have you done that already? So once we have our first production samples. 
There is testing that needs to be done for our regulatory submission to the Food and Drug Administration. Our product is a class two medical device and requires a 510k submission, but this is an expedited regulatory pathway uh, because there are similar devices on the market. So a lot of testing will be done to prove safety and efficacy of the device, but we'll also be getting the product into hands of surgeons and residents um, to really put a quantifiable value proposition together. So talk about, so your experience zero to 510 is pretty unique right? Because uh, if I recall right, you weren't necessarily accepted the first time, which is an aberration because you're used to consistently winning all the pitch competitions. But nevertheless, you did then get in to the accelerator. What was that experience like? How did you get in and, and what was the result? Yeah. So I mentioned that last summer, so the summer of 2019, we participated in the zero to 510 medical device accelerator program. But as you kind of alluded to, what few people know is that we actually were not initially accepted to the program. So to kind of put a little bit of context to this story, Preston and I, um, we both were kind of getting toward the end of our MBA programs. We both had six-figure job offers after um, our impending MBA graduation, but we had also won a significant amount of startup capital from our pitch competitions. We kind of were at a crossroads. We felt strongly that we needed some type of program to help us transition from being student entrepreneurs to full-time entrepreneurs. So we basically said, if we're accepted to zero to 510, we will pursue our startup full-time. It's now or never. <laughs> but if we're not, we'll take full-time jobs and do the startup thing part-time, which we knew would be hard and mean slower progress. So... I was honestly really surprised how intensely disappointed I felt when we got the news that Zero to 510 had limited funds and could only accept a small number of companies for the accelerator. Um, and I realized that this sense of disappointment meant that deep down, I really wanted to pursue winter innovations full time. And so um, Preston and I, we always talk about how fortunate we are to be surrounded by amazing mentors. We talked with them about this news, and they actually suggested that we take a little bit of a different approach. We had quite a bit of money from pitch competitions in the bank. Um, so we actually offered to participate as one of the first companies that self-funded our way through the accelerator without receiving investment capital. And I can honestly say this is one of the best decisions we've made. And true to the name, uh, Zero to 510 helped us accelerate our progress and connected us with some incredible people who we have very strong relationships with now. I think it's a really fascinating story because you often see founders asking other founders, hey, should I participate in this accelerator or should I receive investment from a certain group or fund? And it's like, and usually the conversation revolves around, yes, this is the amount of money, but what are the other things that the party brings to the table? Are there introductions? Are there particular areas of expertise, experiences that they can bring to bear? And so what's interesting about your experience with Zero to 510 in Memphis is you took the money literally off the table, right? So they didn't invest, you self-funded, and the program was so valuable. So essentially, your advice to others, at least vis-a-vis -vis that accelerator, would be they should go no matter what if they can get accepted into the program because the most important thing they're going to get is the mentorship, the experience, the pathway toward getting on the 510k schedule. 
Absolutely. And I, I think broadening the scope a little bit too, uh, as a startup and, and uh, a early stage company, you're going to hear no a lot, but it's finding creative solutions to get those no's to a yes, so that there is still a path forward. Absolutely. Now, one of the competitions that you pitched at, I think relatively recently, uh, was SolidWorks, but you were not originally on the schedule to pitch there. So how did you get in? And then once you did get in, uh, you made the most of it. Sure. Yeah. So this past February, we were attending the 3D Experience World conference hosted by Dassault Systems. They are the maker of SolidWorks, a widely used engineering and 3D modeling software. Uh, We had received tickets as a startup, uh, and we know someone who is involved with the entrepreneurship program uh, corporately at Dassault Systems. So we were already attending the, the program and the conference. One of the main events during this conference conference was a pitch competition. And one of the teams actually dropped out the day of the competition, and we were invited to fill in. So we had less than 12 hours to prepare. uh, But we advanced to the final round the following day, where I pitched on stage in front of a live crowd of almost 8,000 people. (laughs) And there were another 15,000 people streaming the event online. I Thought I would be so nervous being in front of that many people as an engineer by background and training. Um, This is something that I've come a long way with. And I had so much fun. This was an incredible, incredibly memorable experience. And I I think, again, it speaks to the practice that we think it's very important for startups to always be prepared. And that's something that we live by. Yeah, what an amazing experience. Because normally, I think it's fair to say, pitch competitions oftentimes in a room. Uh, with, you know, three, four, five, six, seven judges or small audience. Um, You know, Startup Day here in Knoxville probably has five to 600 people uh, attend, sometimes a few more every year. That's a pretty big pitch competition crowd. And then you're talking about the SolidWorks conference that had, you know, over 10x that and then another 20x online. So, you know, really the benefit, obviously, in addition to getting to the end round is, you know, here's 23 plus thousand people that are familiar with you, with Winter Innovations, with your Easy Whip innovation that can now tell your story and you never know what those introductions will lead to. It's all about connections. You're right. Awesome. Um, if you are to make a prediction, uh, when do you think that Easy Whip will be on the market. When when would you like to see the first physician using your product with a real patient and helping them to you know do the surgery better, faster, and helping the patient heal faster? If you're able to look forward, is that do you think uh, six months out, a year out? Is it two years out? Uh, what are you projecting? It's about a year out, so mid 2021. The 510k clearance process takes about six months, and we are on track to submit our 510k before the end of this year. So, lots of very exciting milestones coming up for us. For sure. And is that the focus of the Tampa Bay accelerator that you just started? Uh, and I'm assuming, because of COVID 19, that a lot of it, if not all of it, has been virtual, but is the focus kind of the the milestones between now and the middle of next year uh, that you want to hit? Or did they have another uh, specific angle uh, that you decided to join that accelerator for? 
Yes, you. The first thing, uh, virtual. A lot of the the accelerator right now is being held virtually, but it's actually great because we're able to connect with a lot more people nationwide who we might not necessarily have met just being in Tampa. Um, and the focus of this Tampa Bay Wave Accelerator is actually tech diversity. So it's all companies that have underrepresented minority founders. So us as a uh, woman-owned company. We are part of that demographic. And the the focus is really, one, preparing us for investment. We will be raising another round of investment that we hope to close before the end of this year. Um, so we are raising money currently. And it's to prepare us for our launch phase. Uh, so we're doing a lot of prep around our go-to-market strategy, um, how we will actually sell our first five surgeons, and then how we will scale up after that. Gotcha. And so... Uh because I'm interested to know from the accelerator perspective, are they really helping you to kind of hone the next investment round pitch? Are they kind of taking some responsibility for making uh, introductions to specific funds that they think would be a good fit? Is it all the above? Is sort of what, what's it, what is the process that they're using to get you to that next point? It's really all of the above, uh, helping us a lot with the pitch, uh, introductions to investors, and connecting us with mentors. They have a very well-known mentor network, um, and we've already gotten quite a bit of benefit in the first month of the accelerator so far. That's awesome. So big endorsement for Tampa Bay Wave. Very cool. And that's a, that's a new one to me. But as it turns out, Knoxville and Tampa Bay have a lot of business going on uh, between them that, that I think benefits our community a lot. So that's good to hear your endorsement. So rapid fire questions. You already mentioned the answer to the first one. Uh, are you fundraising? You said yes. Do you have a, uh, a date in mind? I think you said toward the end of the year. How much do you think you're going to be looking for? We are starting that now and looking for potential leads. So um, it will probably be in the range of 500000 to $1.5 million. Okay, great. And then are you hiring or will that come later? We are hiring, uh, looking to add people in a contractor basis right now. But then for our next fundraising round, we'll be looking to expand the team as far as marketing and sales. Okay, so will these first hires probably be on the engineering side and then marketing and sales shortly thereafter? Or what order are you thinking about ramping the team? We really have a lot of the product development and packaging that locked down now. So our first hires and people that we'll be looking to bring onto the team will be helping us with the marketing and sales. I think that's where... They go to uh, market. Yep, exactly. Awesome. Um, what book are you reading right now? I just finished Fall of Giants by Ken Follett. And uh, I think this is kind of interesting because I thought that question was getting a little bit at what entrepreneurial book, but I enjoy historical fiction. Uh, it's an escape or a break from all of the technical and startup material that I read all of the time. <laughs> so the book is about uh, five families that it follows throughout wo World War One, And the theme that I took away is that the world is very small. Um, the, these five families are very intertwined, even though they're from different countries and they actually meet out on the battlefield uh, fighting each other. So we are finding that this is so true in the world of entrepreneurship and orthopedics. The world is very small and everyone seems to be connected. That's really interesting. Yeah. And I love that you chose a book that's not necessarily on the business 
bestseller list, but it's a book that you're reading now and that you find is helping you along the journey because we all need a break from reading stuff that's 100% focused on product or on marketing or on sales. Sometimes it's nice to escape and, and, and read, some, read some historical fiction. Uh, what about podcasts? What are you listening to? I love how I built this with Guy Raz. Uh, one of my favorites, if anyone listens to this podcast, is the Tofurky ep- episode. It's tofu and turkey. So that's, that's a good one. And how that came to be. Yes. Yeah. What a, what a random idea and invention. But yeah, the episodes that they air are fantastic because some of them are the super famous and popular name brands. And then others are, how in the heck did this person come up with this? And uh, they're fascinating. They do a great job. So yes, you and many other local entrepreneurs are following uh, how I built this on NPR. What about uh, who are you following online? Any personalities, brands, organizations that you're keeping track of? Yes, the Global Accelerator Network, or GAN. Uh, they have a weekly uh, newsletter or blog post that goes out. And really, their goal is to boost startups that are from the other places, not necessarily Silicon Valley or Boston. Um, so I think what they're trying to do is very admirable. And um, so it, it's kind of a good example. In- uh, another thing that I'm following online is the PitchBook newsletter. Uh, that one seems to come every day, but it's helping us to keep a pulse on what is happening in uh, the investor community. And that's, I think, a really interesting one for other founders, other entrepreneurs that may be listening to this podcast because PitchBook is super popular in the investment in the investor community. But I think you do gain an advantage as a founder you know, following those trends seeing what's happening in various industry verticals, seeing which companies are raising, uh, what mergers and acquisitions activity is happening. And so I think that that's interesting and impressive that you're following that now, which would be very early uh, in the life stage of your company, because I think it'll give you probably an advantage in those negotiations coming up. That's the plan. (laughs) That's the plan. Um, You mentioned your website already, winter-innovations.com. Uh, what's the best way for listeners to reach out and contact you? They can reach me on LinkedIn or by sending me an email at team at winter innovations.com. Fantastic. Leah, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. I've had the pleasure of introducing you in multiple pitch competitions and watching you win. Uh, I already look forward to following up uh, with you and with Preston and hearing the latest news on Winter Innovations because every time we talk, uh, you've got big news, you've advanced the product, uh, you're pursuing more patents, you've uh, been accepted to a new accelerator. So I'm eager to see what's next. Let's keep following up over the next couple months. And I think you'll have uh, some big news heading in uh, to the close of 2020. Uh, And thanks, everybody, for listening to the Startup Knox podcast. If you like the show, you can subscribe to listen to more interviews with startup entrepreneurs. Please also leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite listening platform. If you want to know more about today's episode, check out the show notes on our website, startupknox.com. Also on the site, you can find a startup ecosystem guide, a startup directory, an investor directory, and a curated startup events calendar for Knoxville. Uh, Join me for the next episode where I'll talk with Tommy Wynn, founder of Storage Pug, which is a leader in the software as a service for the self-storage industry and also has a delightful pug as a logo. Thanks for listening.